The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What's happening this week on your favorite soap operas? It's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, recaps, and interviews with your favorite daytime stars. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your Emmy-stealing host, Dan Kroll. I've survived the 38th annual daytime Emmys and Las Vegas. Have you? Well, I guess we'll talk about that a little later. I'm now safely home in the SoapCentral.com home office here in Philadelphia, and I am still processing everything that went down over the course of the Emmy weekend. Uh, as I said, we'll talk about the Emmys later in the show when I take your calls, but I do want to quickly thank Martha Byrne for co-hosting SoapCentral.com's red carpet coverage of this year's daytime Emmys. Now, if you missed any of the coverage on Emmy night, I am pouring through Lots and lots of Emmy video, and I'm going to pick out the highlights from the red carpet and the backstage interviews, and then I'll be posting them this weekend, so be sure to stay tuned, and you'll be able to check out all the videos that you may have missed during our Emmy coverage. In the meantime, though, you can head over to our special Emmy hub on SoapCentral.com, either by clicking on the Emmys 11 button in the blue navigation menu. That appears at the top of the page of any page on the site. Or you can go there directly by typing in SoapCentral.com slash Emmys. Just type that directly into your web browser, and you'll be taken to all of the information that you need. There are some great interviews with the winners, as well as a photo gallery of all the fashions from the red carpet. One of the highlights, I think, is the then and now section. It's sort of a section where we post photos of the soap stars from this year and then post some of the past red carpet photos so you can see sort of what their sense of style is and make your own personal determination on whether or not they've gotten better or worse on the red carpet. This year we feature One Life to Live's Cassie DePaiva, who plays Blair, and The Bold and the Beautiful's Leslie Kay. There's also a really cool retrospective of Susan Lucci, showing all of her Emmy fashions, dating all the way back to 2003. So there's a lot of fun photos there for you to check out. And remember, though, the phone lines are going to be open all hour long for you to call in and talk about anything and everything soaps, not just the daytime Emmys, though I know a lot of you want to talk about that. We can talk about anything from the world of soaps. So reserve your place in line right now by calling 866-472-5788. That is a toll-free number, 866-472-5788. First up today, though, it's time to talk about some of the soap opera staples that keep us all talking. Contract negotiations, the writing team changes, and heartbreak. They say that neither sleet nor snow nor, snow, nor rain nor any of that good stuff can keep away the mailman. But the same cannot be said here on Soap Central Live. Two weeks ago, we were forced off the air due to a car accident, fire, and subsequent power outage. 
It's the stuff of soaps, but this was all real life. And in real life, I think we all know that from time to time, there's going to be some heartache. And that is going to be the first topic on today's show. My first guest last appeared on Soap Central Live back in December, and they were scheduled to be here two weeks ago before the great blackout of 2011. Kimberly A. Johnson and Ann Werner are two former Days of Our Lives stars who'd put together a collection of true stories for their book, The Virgin Diaries. Now they're back to talk about their latest book, Ain't No Sunshine. It's all about heartache and an aspect of heartbreak that we don't often really get a chance to discuss, how men handle it. So, Kimberly and Ann, welcome back to Soap Central Live. Kimberly? Can you hear me? There we go. Now I can hear you. Ann, are you there too? Yes, I am. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Thanks to both of you for coming back to Soap Central Live. I thought we had another uh, great power outage meltdown. <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, let's take a quick detour. I definitely want to talk about the book because there's some, there's some really great stories and there's a lot of interesting stuff that I think listeners will be able to take home from our discussion and, of course, being able to take home their own copy of the book. But since... The two of you are days vets, as I've mentioned, and we're going to talk about heartbreak. I would have to imagine that there is no bigger heartbreak for a soap fan than the loss of their favorite soap. And, right. of course, All My Children is going to be going off the air in September and then One Life to Live in January. We've already lost As the World Turns and Guiding Light. I'm just curious to get both of your takes on this and what you think is going on in the world of daytime. So let's start with Kimberly. Kimberly, what is going on and why are they taking our soaps away from us? Well, the only thing that I can think of is that, you know, there's so much reality programming and people are really looking to that as like a real-life soap opera. Um, I really don't know. I mean, I guess, it, it, you know, they've got the talk shows. Um, even though Oprah's not on anymore, they have, you know, all these talk shows that fill up the airwaves. And, you know, you always get these new crop of people. So even though these soap operas that have been popular for, you know, decades, you've got this whole new crop of people that's been conditioned to just really focus on reality TV. And I guess the serial drama is, looks like it may be going on its way out. Well, and I think you... that it has a lot to do, quite frankly, with the economics of it. It's more yeah. expensive to produce a soap opera. That's true. Than it is to produce a reality show. And I really do believe that um, that has a lot to do with it. It's a strictly economic uh, decision. And, yeah, and one of the things that Kimberly said, yeah, you know, you can attract a, 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 another audience, a, newer, a new audience, and, and basically condition people um, to accept, accept something in the place. But people, yes, they're very disappointed. I I've talked to people that are really angry that their soaps are being taken off the air. Well, and you mentioned the economics of the soaps. I have to ask for both of you, you've, you've seen, obviously, stuff that the folks at home who are watching the soaps don't get to see. I'm wondering, do either of you think that there is a way or was a way to change the soap opera model to maybe not having them on every day, to... Uh, having them maybe have shorter runs, do you think that there's anything that could be done to make them easier and cheaper to produce, or is this just something that, you know, it, it is the way that it is and it'll continue to be that way until they can't do it anymore? Well, I think that that's an interesting point as far as, you know, rather than having it on every day, um, which I think that in, in a lot of cases, you know, working on a soap opera, working on Days of Our Lives, 
you notice that, you know, you, you get your script and, and these actors have very little time. You know, they might work until 11, even 12 o'clock at night, and then they have a full script they must memorize to be back, you know, the next day. And it's very much a grind. So I think that it would be not only, um, you know, beneficial in an overall sense economically to, you know, shorten, either shorten the show or have it on less, but it would kind of be easier on the actors. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, um, we've had what they've called nighttime soaps. Mm-hmm. You know, there for mm-hmm. a while there was a whole spate of them. And, and, and even today, okay, there are shows that are, are serials, okay? I mean, they really are serials, but they're only on once a week. Absolutely. Um, for a soap... I don't know. A soap has always been back before they were even on television. I remember my mother talking about the soaps on the radios and, you know, the women would be out in the backyard hanging up their clothes on the clothesline and talking about the characters in the radio soaps, Ma Barker, or no, that was a criminal, but Ma somebody, um, you know, okay. who... who um, you know, like they were, like they were family, much the way that people think of these soap characters today. You know, when people talk about Bo and Hope, you know, it, it's not some nebulous. They know those characters. Mm-hmm. To, those characters are real people. Those yeah, and because they've been on for, boy, Dave has been on for over forty years now, and um, you know, I mean, so. I don't know if they could actually make a transition to nighttime because it, it serves a. Well, it doesn't have to. A, it doesn't purpose. have to be nighttime. It could. Well, it wouldn't be, have to be nighttime. Yeah, you could do it in the afternoon, but I don't know. It wouldn't. Be, it wouldn't be the same thing because it's like your afternoon friend. It's when you 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 put the kids down for a nap, and you get to have a little bit of time just for you. That's that's well, really what how I always felt when. No, you know, I agree. When, when Kimberly I, I was think... little, and I was watching Days of Our Lives when Kimberly was just a baby. Well, that actually leads to a really good point before we, we finish up this and, and start talking about heartbreak, which I guess is, is still a little bit of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Days of Our Lives has gone under a whole lot of changes recently. They're getting rid of a lot of characters. They've made some changes to the writing, to the executive producers. And Ken Corday is saying that what he really wants to do is bring Days of Our Lives back to being classic Days of Our Lives. For both of you, this is an opportunity. What do you think when you hear classic days of our lives? What comes to mind and what do you think that they're going to be bringing to the viewers that they want to see? Well, I remember I started watching Days of Our Lives in 1977. And I continue to watch that show for for a very, you know, decades. And I did notice that several years back they had gotten some new writers and it got a little a little crazy with, with the potions and the, you know, whatever. I mean, it, it got a little crazy, but classic Days of Our Lives to me, it really focuses on the core family. I mean, mm-hmm. at the time it was Hortons, um, but it's the core family and, you know, and then everything that spreads out, or, or, you know, in the community, in the Salem, USA community. Um, you know, you have your bad guys, whether it's the Dumira family or... Um, Victor Kiriakis. Yeah, the is, um, <laughs> You know, but you've got the love. You've got all the love and the relationships and the angst and heartbreak that goes along with that. And, and then the Salem community fighting against the bad guys. Um, but, but I think that in, in recent years, they've gotten a little over the top. And 
to me, that isn't, you know, I mean, I've, I don't watch it religiously anymore, but I catch it every once in a while. And any time, like, I love watching the Christmas show because they hang up the Horton, you know, Christmas bulbs mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and they reminisce and they go back. And, and I love that because I did love that show so much. And I think that, you know, anybody else out there who has been a Days fan for a really long time knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to agree with that. I think... I think when they departed from the the core family thing, and you get in all of these intrigues with all these, sometimes what I would consider kind of like superfluous characters, I think that, you know, you lose something in the translation because what built the loyalty uh, to that show, which is, I mean, really, truly, I mean, it's it's such a loyalty for it to have survived for this long when everybody else is falling by the wayside. You know, I mean, you had... Your Marlena, okay, and you had Bowen Hope, you had Alice and Tom Horton, um, and you know, and and when they bring some of these characters back, like Julie and Doug and things, people love that mm-hmm. because it 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 just reflects. I don't know. I you know, I, I think it reflects something that we're that maybe maybe in modern society we've all kind of lost, and and that's one way of hanging on to it to really just have you know that that family and community thing. Well, there's nothing more communal than the two books that you've put together. The first one being about people's first times and this next one being about heartbreak, particularly how men handle it. So I have to ask, first of all, how did you decide to go from talking about the Virgin Diaries and people's first times to uh, something that seems to be completely different, which is heartbreak? Well, the goal of our company, Arc Stories, is to create reality books funnily enough, Um, and we want to focus on issues that touch all of us. And so, um, you know, we weren't going to continue writing books on sex or virginity per se because, you know, okay, we've covered that area, so now we wanted to move on to a different idea. And so um, it just so happens that a friend of mine made this suggestion to me last fall, and I really thought it was kind of an interesting idea. My mom and I talked about it, and, you know, we figured, all right, well, we will see what we can do. We weren't sure what the response was going to be because this is men and heartbreak and we all know how men don't like to talk about their feelings but because all the stories are anonymous it gave these men a platform to be able to to really really be candid about um, you know what they feel through the loss of romantic love whether it's death betrayal um, you know being dumped or or loving someone that you never got an opportunity to really explore because they were with someone else or what have you so this is just something that we thought would be an interesting project because we all know, for the most part, what women go through because women mm-hmm. are so vocal and we scream about it and it's not a big secret. But men, um, we don't know so much about the private inner workings of a man's mind. And so we thought, wow, I think, you know, we would think a lot of women would be interested as well as men who may be going through this kind of a problem and not feeling like they had anybody to talk to about it. And then they could read these stories and, and feel like they're not alone. Well, Anne, let me uh, ask, Mm -hmm. when I hear the title of the book, Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak, I can't help but think of the Bill Withers song, Ain't No Sunshine. Uh, That just sort of plays in my head. Where did the title of the book come from? Did that song have anything to do with it? from Kimberly. She goes, I'm going to call it Ain't No Sunshine. (laughs) I thought, that's a great title. And of course, you know, yeah, you go straight to Bill Withers because, 
That's what it's all about. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. <laughs> if the two of you sang, that could have been our, our new theme song. <laughs> well, I can sing, but Kimberly's tone deaf. Yes, yeah, a lot. <laughs> wow. Don't worry. Nobody listens to this show. It'll just be our secret. <laughs> now, you mentioned the fact that this is sort of uh, something that Men don't really like to do. We don't really like to talk about too much about our feelings because it's, it tends to be seen, I guess, as a sign of weakness. So I have to ask in doing your research, was it more difficult to get people to open up about losing their virginity or to get men to open up about heartbreak? Keeping in mind that both of these, uh, these books were done under the, the, the promise of anonymity. Men. I mean, really? it wasn't, we, you know, the stories for virginity, um, when we first put the call out on the internet, we did get, you know, quite a bit. And it, it, it was, you know, three or four stories a day. And, and, and actually right now we're doing um, a new project and we're, we're focusing on body image, men and women and, and body and self-image. And those stories are kind of pouring in. The men um, came in, they still came in. We got 38 stories over the course of five months. So maybe 10 a month. Um, it, but, you know, for our body image project, which is a blog, um, I don't even know how many stories we have. I mean, we have like 15 or 16 posts up. So, um, you know, and and we just, just started that last week. Yeah, and on June 6th is when we started. And, mm -hmm. and so a lot of people feel like they really want to tackle this issue. But, yeah, it, it's harder for And we've gotten men. quite a few men um, that, that have commented on the, body, uh, on the body image. I think, yeah, but I do think, I think men just have... They have a very difficult time admitting vulnerability, even when they can be anonymous. So you have to you have to kind of wonder if if maybe they feel like even admitting it to themselves is a kind of weakness. And they all wow. state that so many of the men in yeah. there state the fact that you know, oh well, I I don't really have anybody to talk to. I don't want to appear weak, or you can't really talk to your buddies about it. There, there was so much mention of that. Yeah. Um, but it was also clear that the men that most of the men, I'd say, you know, 95, I'd say, percent of the men who did share really said, all right, you want to know? I'm going to tell you. <laughs> wow. Now, is yeah. this something that you think is just ingrained in U.S. culture, or do you think that that there's more something worldwide that men just don't want to talk about their feelings or show their emotion? You know, that's interesting because I, you know, our first, I think we, we would first go to, oh, it's probably just here in the States, but no, I don't think we so. have, you know, one of the um, people in the book, because we also have a couple of psychics, we have a couple of therapists and a couple of bartenders who um, provide their own kind of unique commentary from where they stand. And one of the psychics um, had mentioned she gets calls from around the world and, um you know that this seems to be something with with men around the world so i i would i would think that yeah it's it's probably pretty much across the board it's because men are supposed to be innate. men are supposed to be the strong ones they were the ones that went out and you know and killed the animals and brought them home and you know it did that kind of thing they were the ones that protected the family and i think that it's just well, kind I of ingrained. i think it's an innate thing too because i remember a long time ago, and I don't remember what program it was. It might have been 2020 or Dateline or one of these kinds of shows. And they did a study on little children who mm -hmm. were about two years old. And mm. they had a little boy locked in a room by himself and then a little girl locked in a room by, himself, by herself. And the little girl just sat there on the floor and cried. 
And the little boy got angry and started kicking, trying to kick his way out. So I do think that even though there are societal um, conditionings and, um, you know, you're raised a certain way and, you're, you know, society tells you you need to be strong, I think there's certain innate things that are, are in human beings. And, and that's part of, I think if, if males were raised to show their emotion more, I think they would. So I do mm. think it's conditioning, but I do think it's a, a little bit of both. Yeah. Well, that brings up the idea of sort of a gender identification, I'm guessing. And I have to ask, in doing your research, did you find that there was any difference in who would want to open up in, return, in, in regards to uh, folks who identified themselves as gay men or straight men? Well, I know that um, a couple of the, the therapists had mentioned that gay men have an easier time of it because they will, they will talk. They're just more prone to talk about their feelings. They're more in touch with their feminine side. And so I think that, you know, I mean, nobody knows what makes an individual gay. There's this whole big debate on it. I personally think, you know, that, it's, that there, there's probably some kind of a gene or something that you have. And um, I, I think that whatever it is that makes somebody gay... If it's if if it's a male, all right, gives them that feminine aspect where they're not quite, they're just not as afraid to be open about how they feel. That's been my observation, and and like I said, uh, the therapist, I think both of them, um, made comments pretty much to that effect. Yeah, but what's very interesting to note is that um, I have a gay friend who really tried to help me. Get gay stories. He he sent a mass That's email true. out to a lot of different people, and we only got I don't know three or something. So I found it interesting that the majority of the people that responded were heterosexual men. Well, maybe that's because you know. Now that's an interesting thing, and I never thought of it until this moment. But that maybe that's because they just felt that they finally had a forum to vent. Right. Whereas well, gay men will vent. Well, you're talking about venting, and we're talking about how things are displayed and and what we see every day in society. The, the three of us talked about this during the Great Power Outage, but uh, <laughs> since everybody else is sort of privy to this, there are in, uh, I would say in mainstream culture, there aren't really that many television shows or movies that seem to deal with how men handle heartbreak. No, uh, everything no. that I can think of has always been from a female perspective, particularly something like the movie Ghost, where you see, you know, uh, Demi Moore mourning uh, Patrick Swayze uh, and their love. It, everything seems to be about how the woman deals. Uh, the only thing that we could come up with prior to this was something like the Hogan family, where Valerie Harper exited the show and they killed off her character and sort of uh, brought in Sandy Duncan to see how the family would survive without Valerie. Um, other shows like The Brady Bunch and, and My Three Sons, they've all looked at what it's like to have uh, loss for a male, but there really don't seem to be that many. Why? And they really didn't, they also really didn't focus on the, the, the male emotion. It was just kind of the overall, okay, now, um, now we, mom, yeah, we got a deal. Mom's gone, we got a deal. Right. And, and, you know, because most of these shows were sitcoms, um, they really didn't delve into hardcore emotional. I, I don't know. I think, you know, I mean, people people feel more comfortable with what they know, what, what, what goes on. I don't know. I mean, that's really a good question because one of the movies, and of course now I can't remember the name. I gave it to you. But one of the <laughs> movies that I remember um, 
it's a movie with David Duchovny, and um, it was Minnie Driver and David Duchovny, and his wife passed away, and I guess Minnie Driver got the heart of his, you know, deceased wife, and there was a scene in that film where he broke down and, and cried, and it was so touching, and it was, you know, it was the most real scene I, I had seen, you know, where men, where a man was, was really just getting in touch with his emotions and crying. But you're absolutely right. There's so very few. Yeah. I thought of one, though. Oh, go ahead. Share. Jillian on her 37th birthday. That's true, yes. Yes. With Michelle Pfeiffer and this. Peter Gallagher. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I, oh. that's the one I thought of, like, in the middle of the night the other night. <laughs> and there's also About Schmidt with um, Jack Nicholson. Oh, See, yeah, that, that's right. Now, that's more recent. I mean, if you're looking at what we're discussing here, we're talking about things from the 1980s and the 1970s and before. Even in 2011, it doesn't seem that this is a, a story that anybody wants to tell. Is it because they don't want to tell it or because they know if they put the story together that we as TV and movie viewers aren't going to want to watch it? Well, I think it would be a woman's audience. You know, men often assume that ain't no sunshine. Oh, women want to read it. And, and I imagine that they're probably right. The majority of, of people who would be interested in this topic would be women. But again, being surprised, uh, we have found that some of the men who have read it have really enjoyed it and, and liked it. Um, I believe those are the men who are a little bit more in touch with their feelings and, and feeling like, okay, you know, that it's okay to express it. But, um, but yeah, I think that I think you have a point there as far as, you know, people don't want to – it's weird because it, men are not weak if they're expressing emotion. I think it's actually the stronger thing to do. You get it out of you, and it makes it easier to move on rather than holding it in and building it up. But it's just this perception that when a man breaks down and really shows himself in a vulnerable position that he's weak. And, and you know, perhaps that seems unattractive to whether it's, you know, people who are producing films or, or whatever. But I think that audiences enjoy understanding the psyche of, you know, of the human being. And I think that people will enjoy reading these stories. I mean, you said that you probably think that maybe more women will want to check out the book, but there is nothing wrong, certainly, in for, for guys to pick this book up and, and learn a little bit more about themselves and about everybody else. So the main question then is, how does everybody out there get a copy of Ain't No Sunshine? Aha. Uh -huh. All you got to do is you can go to Amazon.com. It's available both in paperback and it's on Kindle as well for $2.99. Um, and you can, you know, you can uh, visit our website, arcstories.com. That's A-R-K stories.com. We've got a page there and um, ordering information as well. And you can um, read two stories on our site, Arc Stories. You can read two stories from the book and kind of, you know, look at it first and see if it's something you might be interested in. And by the way, while you're there, um, we do have the, it's called the Body and Self, or the Body Image Blog, and we are accepting submissions from men and women, all ages, all ethnic backgrounds. Um, on the site is our guidelines, but there's a link that takes you right to the blog, and we have some expert commentary from plastic surgeons and, and personal trainers, so check that out when you're there, too. And it sounds like when that comes out, you'll be back here on the show to talk about <laughs> the <right>. book. <laughs> so I was like, uh, Kimberly and Anne, I want to thank both of you for coming back today, especially since uh, you were scheduled to be here two weeks ago. I've enjoyed the discussion. And for anybody who missed where they can get the book, 
head on over to SoapCentral.com slash radio. We have all the information that you need right there to pick up your copy of Ain't No Sunshine. So, Kimberly and Ann, thank you for coming back, and uh, we'll talk to you again, I'm guessing, in a couple of months. <laughs> okay. Well, thank, thank you. you for having us. We really enjoyed ourselves. Yes, we always do with you. Thank you so much. And for everybody out there, stay tuned. We're hitting the phone lines and talking about anything and everything soap on the other side of this commercial break. Stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Is your sexual relationship satisfying? Do you have a nagging question about sex and you can't find the answer? Tune into Sex in Our Cities with hosts Donna Kane Francis and Robin Potter Kimball. Two advanced practice registered nurses are here to answer all of your questions about sex and relationships. Each issue will be presented in an objective, unbiased perspective designed to educate and empower you to make healthy decisions and bring about change in your life. Sex in Our Cities is broadcast live Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want to dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at SoapCentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soap Central Live. I'm still your host, 
Dan Kroll. They haven't come to cart me away for my little Emmy incident in Las Vegas. And the phone lines are open, 866-472-5788, for you to call in and talk about this year's daytime Emmys or anything else that's happening on your favorite soap. There's a whole lot to discuss between the stars that are returning to All My Children to help the show wrap up its 41-year run to Days of Our Lives and its major house cleaning of... I think they fired about six stars or so. Then there's General Hospital, which is busy reinventing itself so it can compete for a time slot once Katie Couric gets her talk show in September 2012. And I knew that we couldn't discuss General Hospital without bringing in an expert on all things Port Charles. Of course, that is Tammy Lou, who is one of our Two Scoops columnists over on SoapCentral.com. So, Tammy Lou, welcome back to Soap Central Live. Thank you, Dan. Great to be here. Let's just get right to it. I, normally we would have chit-chat and banter, but <laughs> it's a little scary for folks of ABC Soaps. Of course, All My Children will go off the air in September. One Life to Live is scheduled to go off the air in January. And now some folks are worried that General Hospital will follow suit in September of 2012 because of the Katie Couric talk show. What are your thoughts? And you know, are you as worried as everybody else is? I am worried about it, and I, what I said to my readers is, even if Katie Cork brings on the ghost of Elvis to interview, I will never turn on that show, just out of slight protest that that could run General Hospital off the air, because, you know, I've been watching that show for many years, and I know a lot of the other fans have, too, and we're invested in it, and I don't think any talk show that comes on is going to have the longevity that General Hospital has had, or the loyalty of the fans, and I really hope that that matters for something. I know that in your Two Scoops column, you've talked about some of the things that General Hospital would need to do to maybe uh, keep the viewers that it has and to hopefully lure in new viewers so that when the folks at ABC are making their decisions about what shows to keep, if the decision hasn't already been made, they'll see that you know more people are tuning in because of. So what are some of these things that GH needs to do? Do they need to cut the mob stories? Do they need to... Uh, bring in more James Franco's? What do you think they need to do, Tammy? Well, I think that the mob thing can be tempered. I think that it, it's kind of taken over the show as a whole. You know, back in, when I first started watching, we had Frank Smith and we had other mobsters, but they were part of the story. They weren't the entire story, and there was more love and romance than there was shootouts <laughs> and car explosions. And I think people don't mind that there is that element in the story. They just don't want that to be the the all-encompassing thing that drives the entire show. So, I mean, certainly lots, everybody loves, you know, Jason and Sonny as characters, but that, not necessarily um, as the main force of the show. So that can be like a, a side thing and, you know, bring some more things back to the hospital, bring back a lot of the core characters that have been cut. I mean, everybody got so excited to hear Leslie Charlson was coming back as Monica Quartermain because that was a whole family that was pretty much obliterated right. <laughs> in the last reign. And when people start hearing that some of these characters are coming back, it's like my email box lights up like, a, you know, Christmas. And uh, people get really excited because there's people that they've loved and lost that they're hoping they can see again. Well, you mentioned tempering maybe the mob storylines. The things that I, the thing that I always have concern about when there are changes done at a soap, what happens to all of the people who are watching General Hospital because they really like the mob storylines? If all of a sudden that were to disappear, do you run the risk of now losing all of those fans and not getting back the ones who tuned out because they didn't like the mob storylines? Well, I think it's it's possible to alienate a certain core of the audience doing it's very difficult for it's a fine line for the writers to walk because there's always going to be one group of people you know in especially in couplings you know there's some people that are you know 
Jason and Elizabeth fans, they really want that couple together, and they're the people that are Sam and Jason fans. And whichever way the writers go, somebody's going to be mad. But hopefully if the show overall is amazing, people aren't going to tune out because one particular facet of a storyline has disappeared. I think a lot of people, particularly now, are so invested in keeping the show on the air, and this is the thing that I keep telling people in my column, you know, don't give up now. Let the new writer, you know, it's going to take a little while to unravel things and get things going, like be patient and stick with it and give him, give him a chance to get things back on track and don't tune out because if you tune out, then it's gone. Well, I have to tell you that in I'm looking on Twitter and there's a Shadam fan who obviously from that it's Sharon and Adam with their Young and the Restless fan, but even that person lit up when you mentioned the Quartermains. They're, you know, tweeting the Quartermains with a whole bunch of, exclamation point. So it seems that the quarter mains really resonate with a lot of viewers. And certainly, you know, when they were killing people off and writing them out, it looked as though it looked to a lot of fans who were fans of the quarter mains that this was sort of a slap in the face saying, we don't care what you like. We don't care that they're an integral part of General Hospital. Everyone is expendable. And that doesn't really seem to be the case. Well, now it, it seems like they're actually going to turn the corner and come back the other way, which is great. And, and I think there's some fans right now on you just mentioned Young and the Russells that are very upset that uh, Melody Scott Thomas has been let go because they consider her to be an integral part of that show. And it's always tricky. You know, with, with the Quartermains and General Hospital, they didn't just let go of one. They let go of basically the whole family. You were left with only Tracy and Edward out of an entire family of people. And I think that it was the the speed <laughs> of those people disappearing and the number of people disappearing that really was like kind of a kick in the gut to long-term fans. Well, okay, so we're talking about fans and, and kick in the guts. And there was something that sort of kicked me in the gut, not in a bad way, but something that surprised me. And I want to see if, if this was something that you were aware of. Laura Wright, of course, won for Outstanding Lead Actress in a drama series at this year's Daytime Emmys. I uh -huh. was shocked to find out that only one other actress in the history of the Daytime Emmys from General Hospital has won lead actress. It was Fanola Hughes, who of course played Anna Devane, and she won 20 years ago. Another, that, that's it. It's Fanola Hughes and Laura Wright. They're the only two actresses from General Hospital to win lead actress. That blew my mind. I actually did not know that, and that blows my mind, too. And I'm wondering if it's because of the way they categorize things, because I know that Jeannie Francis has won, but apparently it must have been in a supporting role or it something was. instead of lead actress. It was. And, you know, there's some great competition in that, you know, when you're up against Susan Flannery and some of the, you know, the, the greats, I guess that's kind of a hard category to break into, so Laura Wright should be ultra-proud of herself <laughs> for snagging that away from some of the, you know, the queens of daytime, so I'm, I'm really happy for her, but I didn't know that. Yeah, it was one of those things in doing some research. It surprised me. I thought, oh, let me look to see who won last. And uh, 2000, I'll have to catalog that fact away in my general hospital nerd file. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I'm a, I'm a big sucker for, for all of these soap factoids. But uh, let's get to the other general hospital sort of interesting factoid. Uh, January 2010, I believe you were a guest on the show. It was right after I had interviewed Jonathan Jackson. And we both agreed that his confrontation scenes bet the, between Lucky and Nicholas and Elizabeth would not only get him an Emmy nomination, but it would win him an Emmy. And here we are. Here we sure are. Enough. Proven right, because we are right all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have 
this this show still on my TiVo, and I watch it every couple of weeks because it was just so powerful. It's like that that was some fine acting, and he absolutely deserved that. If he hadn't won, I would have like driven up to LA and protested personally. It was it was just so good, and I, I'm very happy for him. And I think sometimes you see those scenes as a daytime viewer that you know are going to stick around, stand mm-hmm. the test of time. And there's certain scenes. I remember when. Back when um, Maxie and BJ, the heart ta- transplant, yeah, when Brad Ball, who played Tony, laid his head down <laughs> on Maxie's chest so he could hear BJ's heart, I'll never forget that for all of my life. And when you see those moments happen live, you know that's going to be one of those moments that I'm going to carry with me for the next 20 years in my head. And, and probably John, even John longer. Jackson huh? certainly did that. So let's talk about the other person who it seemed that everybody thought she would win an Emmy. Lexi Ainsworth for her portrayal of Christina Davis. I picked her as my sure to win, and it turns out that she didn't win. I'm wondering, do you think this is a case of Emmy voters thinking, oh, this is a young girl for all intents and purposes? Lexi Ainsworth is, I'm not entirely yeah, sure how old she is. It's a nomination, and you know, I understand that, but I, I honestly didn't see, you know, I watched several shows at General Hospital, isn't the only show I watched, and I watched several younger actresses on several shows, and I didn't see anybody that gave the kind of performance that she did. And not to take anything away from any of the other, you know, nominees, because they're all great actresses, but I really felt like she was so raw in her performances that, I mean, it was hard for me to watch when she was in kind of those scenes where she was being abused and dragged across the floor and stuff. I actually, I had to, like, pause it, <laughs> take a deep breath, and then play again because I couldn't watch all the way through. It was so intense. So I... I felt bad that she didn't win. I, I did. You know, the only other thing that I can come up with, uh, Brittany Allen, I watched, uh, of course, I watched all of the Emmy reels, and there were some really great highlights in her reel. Obviously, she won because she was able to get voters to see that and see right. that the clip was great. She also ended uh, on some really great notes. Like I said, the only thing that I can come up with is that maybe people are watching it and saying, you know, oh, she's a kid. I mean, you know, I, I use that figurative. I'm just saying that they may think, oh, she's a kid. She's got plenty of years ahead of her as as an actress. And maybe they discount that. Sort of the same that... Well, she has plenty of years ahead of her as an actress, assuming that the soap stay on the air. <laughs> well, we still have, you know, the show next year and there's another daytime Emmys, which I pray that we do. You know, that's the, the kicker here. But And, you know, like you said, this is her her first go-round and she's young and and I, I wonder too. I don't know how they look at it. Like, do they do they resist giving one show too many awards that you know they've already given General Hospital two? Are they trying to spread it out so every show gets a fair shot? Or I, I don't know how the how the voters, the Emmy voters, look at that. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things that I've always wondered uh, how people vote because there are plenty of times where I've been what uh, right. <laughs> you don't know why <laughs> someone got it. Uh, because of course they're picking, they're voting on one episode. They're not voting on an entire body of work, which is a whole other, uh, a whole other process. But uh, before I let you go and we move on to some callers and, and to uh, Linda Hirsch, who's waiting to come in, just a hero, general sort Linda of Hirsch, my hero. I used to watch her on TV. <laughs> I, well, I'm sure she's listening. She probably heard that. She'll probably address it when she comes on. Uh, she's my inspiration. Let her know. Just sort of a uh, a general commentary outside of maybe just. General Hospital, since you do watch a few other soaps, you know, do you have any pressing commentary on any of the other shows that you need to get off of your chest? <laughs> my, 
my favorite scene on The Bold and Beautiful recently is to find out that Amber's baby was not, in fact, Liam's baby, but was Marcus's. <laughs> that was very shocking for everybody and surprising, but she really couldn't pass that baby off as Liam's now, could she? You know, it's interesting that a lot of people were thinking that that was going to happen on All My Children, where you would have an interracial baby. Uh, they chose not to do it. They went another direction. But I think it may have sort of blindsided a lot of people. Uh, the Bold and Beautiful comes up with some things every now and again that uh, really gets viewers talking. And this is certainly going to be one of them to see how this plays out uh, yeah, over the next couple of weeks. That was fun. It was totally unexpected. It's like I, I kind of pride myself on being able to see what's coming next. It's like sometimes I pause it and I say to my husband, here's what's going to happen next, and I'm usually right, but I, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I like it when they surprise me. Well, let's see if you saw this coming. I want to thank you for being a part of today's show, Tammy Lou. <laughs> I'm going to let you go to get back to your, the rest of your day and, of course, leave you with an invitation to come back and chat with me anytime you want. Thanks, Dan. It's my pleasure, and I'm glad to be with you, and have fun with Linda. Absolutely. Thanks, Tammy. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Before we get to Linda Hirsch, we are going to take a quick call from Cornelius oh. in Kentucky, who I believe has called the show before. Cornelius, welcome back to Soap Central Live. Hey, thanks. How have you been? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? I've been great. I'm just, you know, hanging out and enjoying summer and enjoying days. Well, I know that you are a Days of Our Lives fan, so let me get right to the question that a lot of people are asking. With all of these Days of Our Lives firings, I believe there are six or seven at last count, are you worried about the future of the show, and do you think it's uh, a signal that it might be going off the air? Oh, well, in this day and age, you know, you have a lot of, uh, I'd say the category that really watches soap operas are the, are the moms. And now you have a lot of working moms, so there aren't a lot of people or women staying at home watching TV, so... You know, that's why our ratings uh, are dropping. But um, So that's always an issue. But with the firings, I'm not quite worried because, you know, I think we, uh, they fired Carly or Crystal Chappelle and Nadia and Philip, of course. And, like, those people are important, but they don't have a following such as John and Marlena. You know, I know a bunch of people left the show. or they Whenever John and Marlena left the show, a lot of people stopped watching because they felt like that, Days of Our Lives was John and Marlena's show. So, I mean, these people that are leaving are important, but not as important as John and Marlena. Well, hold that thought. I'm going to bring in Linda Hirsch, who, of course, has a syndicated, syndicated column, and she also writes Lathered Up for SoapCentral.com. Linda, welcome back. Oh, <laughs> we're going to continue talking to you, Cornelius. It's not a slight on you. Uh, I just wanted to get someone else's opinion. Uh, but let, let's go on. I, I know that there are a lot of people who are going to go to the Twitter and maybe take offense to you saying that Crystal Chappelle doesn't have a large following. Crystal Chappelle, of course, has a lot of fans from Guiding Light. Uh, you know, do you really believe that that's the, the reason behind it, that there aren't the days uh, executives thought that she couldn't bring in as many viewers as John and Marlena? Well, I mean, I like Crystal Chappelle. Now, I will say that I'm not an Chanel Hospital fan and I've seen people talk about her Venice thing that she does, but I mean, as far as me being a fan, like I, I knew her a little bit before whenever Vivian buried her, but that was, I was like two then. So like, I knew talk about her, but you know, maybe it's just my personal opinion, but I don't think that she's as big as John and Marlena. Oh, I hope that the days of our lives fans are on the phones calling in to try to, uh, to have a conversation about that, because I'm sure there are a lot of people who feel strongly uh, about that. But let me go to some of the others just quickly. 
uh, other folks who were let go. Uh, Tamara Braun uh, just brought back to play Taylor. Uh, she's out. We have Louise Sorrell, who's been with the show for quite some time. Uh, uh, Francisca really, San Martin. I, I like Vivian a lot, so I'm kind of upset about that. And uh, Tamara Braun, I just can't picture her in a different role, as in I, I don't like that she was the crazy lady that held Patch captive for, like, five months the other, like, a few years ago. Like, I just can't get that out of my head. So I'm not really upset about her leaving. But Vivian, uh, yeah. Okay, and let me uh, ask you the same question that I had asked earlier to Kimberly and Anne. Ken Cordea said that he wants to bring back classic days of our lives. To you, a days fan, what does the term classic days sort of conjure up for you? Well, hopefully it doesn't mean that we're going to be seeing people being possessed, because that would be bad. But, you know, whenever I think of classic days, I think of, you know, Sammy scheming and being young and having children. And, you know, since I am a younger viewer, I don't really remember, like, I wasn't alive around the 80s. So classic for me is just, you know, Sammy and Kate being enemies. And, you know, even though they are enemies... A lot of that's on the back burner, but I, I do hope that uh, Lexi gets a major storyline sometime soon because she was pretty active during the time I first started watching. And um, so I don't know, classic days for whenever Ken says that, he might mean something else, but it's different for everyone because my classic days is different from your classic days and, you know. Well, now not only have you upset uh, Crystal Chappelle fans, but anybody back there who was alive in the 90s and 80s is upset that you weren't. Uh, so let me ask one more quick question before I let you go. Uh, you may, of course, not have been watching, but I know that you're familiar with some of the legacy characters on Days of Our Lives. Are there any characters other than John and Marlena that you would like to see written back into the show? Well, uh Calliope, actually. Like, I don't, um, I don't know much about her, but whenever she was on the show, I mean, first of all, I just love the name Calliope. Um, and she just seemed like a really funny and great character. And just the way they, the way they had her as abating taxes, that's like, I felt like for her fans, that's kind of crappy. I mean, she was, she was arrested. So hopefully she can get out of trouble and maybe bring her back and, uh, Kimberly, I think that's Bo's sister, maybe bring her back onto the show. Okay. Um, they brought Jennifer back, which is good. And uh, I think she's going to stay around. And uh, are they going to bring Lucas back? I think I've heard talk of that. I'm not quite certain. Well, I think that that is something that uh, uh, that they are going to do. Uh, we are almost out of time, Cornelius, so I'm going to let you go and quick bring in Linda Hirsch. But thanks for being a part of the show. Uh, well, apparently Linda has dropped again. But either way, Cornelius, I want to thank you for uh, for calling in again, and hopefully I'll get to talk to you again in the future here on the show. Definitely. Have a good day. Thanks, you too. As all of you have heard, we have tried to get Linda Hirsch in here, but she is in and out, sort of like some of these crazy uh, casting decisions that may or may not be going on on your favorite soaps. I want to take a quick moment to let everybody know that Soap Central Live is once again the most listened to program on the entire Voice America radio network. And of course, that means that we have the most listeners. And without you out there tuning in 
every week to support this show, there's no way that we could be number one. The show that usually is number one is a show about sex. I think secretly that there's just a lot of you know 12-year-old boys out there secretly waiting for them to say penis so they can giggle. Uh, but I know that all of you tune in because you are so passionate about your soaps. And, you know, it, it's one of those things that we see more and more people tuning into SoapCentral.com and listening to Soap Central Live. And we're all being told that no one wants to watch soaps, that soaps are a dying genre. And I personally refuse to believe that. And when you have hundreds of thousands of people listening to a weekly radio program, it's got to say something. So for those of you out there who are maybe disheartened by the news that two more soaps will be going off the air, I do have to again say, don't give up. Don't tune out of the soaps because you know that they won't be there. Stay watching and stay glued to everything that's going on because there's going to come a point in time where if they do take them away, you won't have that option to tune in the next day if you missed it. So for now, I would say watch every day, support every day. If you've become a lapsed viewer, why not tune in again and, and sort of get that habit going again? There are certainly worse habits that you could have than watching a soap. TiVo it. Uh, you know, watch it online. Do whatever you can to show that you still want to see these soaps continue on the air. And with that, I have to say, there's a whole lot of stuff still to come from SoapCentral.com. I've gotten a lot of emails from fans who want to know what's going to happen to the website when soaps go off the air. Uh, we're not going anywhere. SoapCentral.com will be on the internet until... They come and cart me away and cancel me. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that. And there are some really exciting new things coming up in the very near future. And no one else knows about this. So I'm going to tell you guys that um, I'm going to be putting together something. It's a new project where you'll be able to see all of our Emmy videos and have a lot of fun watching them. So I can't tell you more than that, but just to let you know to be on the lookout for something brand new and exciting from SoapCentral.com. Uh, that's all of the secrets I think I have. The rest of the secrets you can find on SoapCentral.com in our Emmy section. A whole lot of stuff went on at, at the daytime Emmys and uh, you can check it out there. I also want to take a quick moment to thank everybody who took part into uh, in today's show. For more information about Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak, check out Soap Central Live's website at soapcentral.com slash radio. While you're there, you can feel free to poke around and check out some of the previous episodes of the show. You can stream them, you can download them, you can put them on your iPod, you can listen to them while you're on the treadmill, in the car, all kinds of places to listen to it. It's a great way to catch up with some of your favorite stars and to check out some soap stars that you might not be familiar with. It's totally free. There are no charges involved in it. So why not go and take a listen to some of the shows that you may have missed? I'm glad, personally, that I've gotten familiar with all of you out there through listening to this show and doing this show. And we'll have another chance to catch up and talk about anything and everything soaps next week on another edition of Soap Central Live. <laughs> Thank you.
Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.